We're going to build off of the message from last week. The reason I want to do that is so we don't forget it. I want to reinforce uh, the things that we thought about and that we studied from Romans chapter 12 about using the gifts that God has given to us to give glory to Him. And we want to look at this message this morning, a parable that is often overlooked in the Bible. That uh, many of us, we know the parallel parable very, very well. I made reference to that one last week. But you probably... You know, you may have forgotten this parable. Some have, and, but you might be very familiar with it. But it's the parable of the menace, the parable of the menace. And it's over there in Luke 19. Before we go over to Luke 19 and we begin our discussion, let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we ask your blessings, your guidance upon us right now as we study your holy word. Father, bless us to listen to the words of Christ and his teaching from Luke 19. Father, may the truth have a place in our hearts. May we put these things to action. Father, may we see your great work and glory in this world. And we pray this all in Christ's name. Amen. A lot of people don't do things in their life because of doubt and fear. There are certain parts where there's a good that goes along with it. And I hear some talk about fear and how it's always bad. Now, fear is not always bad. Even Jesus said, fear the one, not the one who can kill the body, but he can cast body and soul into hell. Of course, Christ is speaking about God and living in a righteous life. And there he gives an actual instruction for fear. Uh, the epistle from 1 John tells us that uh, that love casts out fear. So there's a sense in which we live in the love of God that we put away fear. But when it comes to the things in our, and a lot of things in our life that we decide to do, there's oftentimes doubt that comes in. Well, I can't do it. I'm not smart enough. I don't have enough funds for it. I don't have the money for it. I don't have the time for it. I, I don't have, I can't do this. And so I wonder about that if my, many times our fear and our doubt keep us from using God's gifts. You know, gifts that God has given to us. And so what we discussed last week, we looked at what the Bible says about God, the gifts that God's given to us by His grace. We have a talents and abilities that are given to us by our Creator. But what are we doing with them? And I think a lot of times we come up with an excuse. We might even change our view of our Creator. View Him in a different way and even with contempt so that we justify, yes, I have these abilities, but I just don't have the means of doing it and something might go wrong and I'm fearful of it and at this part of my life, I can't do it. So a lot of those questions come in. So what do we do about that? How do we resolve that? I think the great things that we find that God has done in our life is because He's given us these abilities and then we, by faith and courage, have listened to Him. We recognize, I have this ability and I have this talent. I'm going to do something with it. I'm going to put it to work in the church or in my family and specifically what I'm spending most of my time doing in my work and vocation Um, or in the church. I'm going to use it in the church. I'm going to use it in every part of my life. So if we go over to the parable of the menace, or the ten menace, we read a description here. And I think you'll see right away that this parable, this parable sounds a lot like a parable that Jesus will tell later in his life. This parable brings together different, different teachings here. So this, this earthly story with a heavenly meaning uh, has great blessing to us. So I want you to think about that. Now, Aaron read this morning, our scripture reading, it was the first 10 verses of Luke chapter 19 that told us about Zacchaeus. 
The wee little man who climbed up in the sycamore tree that we learn about in, on Sunday morning and Sunday school. I remember singing the songs. I always lo- loved learning about Zacchaeus. Climbing up in the tree. His state of repentance. And it's from this context there in Jericho that Jesus is teaching them. And we, we find that here in verse 11. So let's take a look at verse 11 through 27. And then we look at some of the themes and lessons that stand out here in the text. I'm going to leave the observations up to you, and you can put that right there in the bulletin. But we do want to look at a few key points here. All right, so look at verse 11. For while they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they thought that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So there's the anticipation in the context of why Jesus is, is telling this parable. Look at verse 12. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. So nobleman's going away to become a king. Look at verse 13. And he called ten of his servants and he gave them ten minutes. And he said to them, engage in business until I come back. But his citizens hated him. And sent a delegation after him, saying, We do not want this man to reign over us. And it happened that when he had returned after receiving the kingdom, that he ordered that these servants to whom he had given the money, he called to him so that he might know how much they had made in business. All right, so he gives them a minna, and the minna and the worth of a, of a minna was equals 100 drachmas. And a drachma is a, a day's later labor, um, day's wage for a day laborer, okay? So what we're looking at is a value of like ten to $15,000. And you might have already seen the parallels of this parable to the parable of the talents. The parable of the talents, the, the talents are far more wealth. And we're talking about millions of dollars. But this is still a chunk of change for them to do business. So the... The nobleman comes back as king, and we look at verse 16, he says, So the first appeared, saying, Master, your minna has made ten minas more. Well, he had the one, and he produced ten from it. That's amazing. And he said to him, Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in very little. You are to have authority over ten cities. Then a second came, saying, Your minna, Master, has made five minas. And he said to him also, and you are to be over five cities. And then another came saying, Master, here is your minna, which I kept put away in a cloth. For I was afraid of you because you are a strict man and you take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, from your own mouth, I will judge you, you worthless servant. Did you know did you know that I am a strict man and taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not, did not sow? And then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. And then he said to the bystanders, take the minna away from him and give it to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Master, he has ten minas already. And he says, and I tell you that to everyone who has more shall be given But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine, who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. It's a parable of Jesus. 
There's a lot there. There's a lot of details there, a lot of things that we could draw out from the text as far as, well, you might be wondering who the enemies are and who's this nobleman. So we get a depiction of the nobleman, a representation of here has Christ has come and then his enemies are saying he's too strict. They make these accusations against him. In the end, judgment is going to come upon them. That's the thing, that's what we're seeing here in the parable. Another part of the parable is that when he goes away to receive his kingdom, when Christ goes away for a time and he's going to return, he wants his servants whom he's given blessings to use what's been given to them. Use the gifts, abilities, the wealth that I've been given to you and to make more from it. That's what he's expecting. So what we see from this parable is a number of themes. We see stewardship, a responsibility that's put on us as Christians, that God has given us ability. He's given us talents, and He wants us to use them. And He wants us to use them for His glory in every part of our life. He wants it in the church, and He wants it in the home, and He wants it in the workplace. He wants us to use those things that He's given to us. We, we studied last week and saw that it's given to us by His grace. Another thing that stands out here is God expects productivity from us. He wants us to use these things and to produce from them and to do great things with them because He's given it to us. I think there's another part to this is that that Christ expects it from us. In other words, Christ knows that we can do a lot with what He's given to us. It expects a lot. He expects us to use what has been given, the blessings from God, uh, to further the kingdom, to do God's will. He expects this. He expects us to be faithful from what He's given to us. The things that we've been rewarded with and God's blessed us with, the, the, the things that we have in our lives to produce more with them. So as you study through this and you look through this parable, to me it's striking because I ask the question, God, what gifts have you given me? What abilities have you given me? And am I using them? Last week I asked you and encouraged you to do this as part of the application is to think about two or three things that you have a talent for and a gift for. And think about how you're using them or where you could be using them. And I want to bring this up again this morning because I don't want you to forget this message. I'm going to reemphasize the reason why I'm, I'm, I'm coming back to this to, to add another layer to our study this morning. But I'll come back to that in a moment. Other things that stand out, I've already mentioned responsibility. It's been given to us. What we have and our abilities, our lives have been given to us by our Creator. We use everything for His um, for His glory. Ultimately, on the day of judgment, when Christ returns, we're going to be held accountable. And what we receive, or what we see throughout the Scriptures, is that there is, yes, a means of grace by which we receive on the final day when we have a part in God's heavenly kingdom. We all have a part in that, but there's, there appears to be varying degrees of rewards. And not just here, but in other passages of Scripture. And this, this message is telling a lot about what God has given us our gifts and using them because otherwise we face God's judgment. What do we do with them? So some questions come to mind as we read through this. One question that comes to mind is this, is why would Jesus depict the nobleman himself? Um, why would he depict him as a strict man? Well, again, that's what the enemies have said about him. A strict man taking what he did not lay down and reaping what he did not sow. And so, that, and I think that's it. The, the man who had the one minna and then uh, didn't produce from it, he just kept it in his pocket. He just kept it wrapped up in a cloth. Why didn't he use it? And his excuse was, is, well, I don't really like you. I listen to your enemies. It's pretty much what he was saying. He made an excuse. 
Why would I do this? You're so strict and, and I've heard what others say about you. And he has refused to serve his Creator and his Savior. And he uses that. People do that the same thing today. Now, uh, yes, I had some abilities given to me, but I have all these excuses and reasons why not to use it. Why not to use God's gifts? Another thing that stands out here in that parable again in Luke 19 and verse 13 is that Jesus goes away. The nobleman goes away and he goes away to receive his kingdom. And in that process, he says, engage in business. He's given a command. Of course, we pick up from the parable. The the Greek word for parable literally means parallel. The parallel to this is this, is that God has commanded us to engage in business because he's coming back. Christ is coming back. And he wants us to use, again, what he's given to us. You know, I think about this parable and it lines up from what we see throughout the scriptures. And this is it, that we're created to work. We looked at a number of passages last week and I'll bring you into remembrance of them in a minute from Ecclesiastes. That God has given us work to enjoy. If you don't find joy in your work, in your everyday labor and vocation, there's something wrong. Yes, sometimes things get hard and difficult. But there should be an underlying joy about it, a reward through it, that that you see, I'm taking what God has given to me and I'm using it. It doesn't matter if I'm in school or if I'm now working or if I'm retired. I have gifts given to me by God to be used in every part of my life. God has created us to work from the very beginning when He put Adam in the garden. What did He say to him? Tend to the garden. Care for it. It says that there in Genesis 2 and verse 15. Cultivate it and keep it. From the very beginning, man has been, has been set aside for that work. And the Scriptures warn us, like Proverbs uh, 10 and verse 4. And it talks about those who work hard. It says, the poor is he who works with a slack hand, but the hand of the diligent man makes rich. And we also have in the Scriptures telling us that if we don't work, we shouldn't eat. God's made us to work. And he encourages us to do that. And then we have this parable, the Minas, where Jesus is saying, go and engage in business. Do what you should be doing. And so in the kingdom of God, as Christians, we have have these God-given gifts for a reason, for vocations, for every part of our life. And I encourage you to look at that. Think about your talents and abilities that God has given to you. And I want to add a little bit more to that in a moment. But notice what is said right here. We looked at this passage last week. Ecclesiastes 5, 18 to 20. Here's what I have seen to be good, which is beautiful. Remember this from last week? To eat, to drink, and to see good in all one's labor, and which he labors under the sun during the few days of his life which God has given him, for this is his portion. Furthermore, as for every man to whom God has given riches and wealth, he has also empowered him to eat from them and to take up his portion and be glad in his labor. This is a gift of God. It's a gift of God to find joy and gladness in your labor. He's given it to you. And I think a lot of people, a lot of reason people don't find joy in it is because either one, they're using their talents and they're not using them to glorify God in their work and their everyday life. Or maybe they're not using their talents at all. They're just working. And there's no joy in it. And so Solomon goes on and he says, For he will not remember the days of his life because God allows him to occupy himself with the gladness of his heart. You know, that's the state of being. And I, and I hope I can encourage every one of us and say that we're like-minded in this. I want to take joy in my everyday life, what I'm laboring to do. That I see the work of God in my life. That I'm taking what He has given to me to be a blessing to others. 
Why continue to do work that doesn't, does not use God's gifts? Why do it? Why continue to do work where there's no ultimate joy or purpose or meaning in it? Why do that? I think if you're in that state and you're looking at it, yes, that, that's the way I feel, then you need to make a change and listen to what the Bible says and follow the instructions that are here. God wants you to have joy in every part of your work and labor. And He wants you to work from the heart. I think this is another important part. It's that, yeah, I'm using my gifts, but sometimes a lot of people's heart is not behind it. And that makes a big difference. That makes a huge difference when, yeah, I'm using the talents that are given to me, but I'm just kind of dragging along through life. Ecclesiastes 9.10 says, Whatever your hands find to do, do it with all your might. You know, as Christians, we have a different work ethic than the rest of the world. I, I've been, I listen to a lot of podcasts um, about what's going on, of course, here in the news uh, and the things that are going on. And a lot of things that are going on in the workplace is people are just, like I mentioned last week, quiet quitting. I'm already quit. They haven't even figured it out yet. I'm just going to keep it to myself. And as a Christian, I can never hold to that. I, can, I would never encourage anyone to even comply to that. No matter where you work or what labor you do, you never quit. You do it all with all of your might. Whatever your hands find to do. Now again, I would encourage you to do what God has given you to do and to do it with joy rather than burden your life with something that you see no fruit from. We see this as well. It's a repeated teaching throughout the Scriptures in Romans 12 and verse 11, which comes right after what we looked at last week about the gifts that God has given to us. And here he says that Christian devotion to one another, to the brothers and sisters in Christ in the church is not to be lagging behind in diligence, but be fervent in spirit, serving who? Serving the Lord. And so that in all of our work, we know who we're serving. And just again, what we looked at last week, Colossians 3, our work is to come from the heart. Whatever you do, do your work heartily. Put your heart behind your talents and your abilities. Put it behind your work. Put it behind whatever you're doing in the church. Whatever you're doing at home. Put your heart behind it. And he says, and ask for the Lord rather than... Do this work as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing that from the Lord you will receive a reward of the inheritance, serve the Lord Jesus. Well, that makes sense in the context of the parable of the minutes or the parable of the talents. All that we've studied and been able to read from last week to this week. So I want to put my heart behind it. I often heard the illustration put like this. Um, for someone who's taking their talents and not putting their heart behind it, it's like taking you know, a handful of arrows and throwing them. You can't do much with an arrow that you throw. You've got to put something behind it. And so even though they've been given to you, these talents and abilities have been given to you, I'd encourage you to put some power behind it. So you put your heart behind it, you put it in a bow. And at that, you can take this illustration and go further. So I'll put the arrow in the bow, but then I've got to have a target. If the target's over the hill and I can't see it, what's it worth? And if it's five feet in front of me, it's not a challenge. I need something that... I'm reaching for, that I'm practicing for, an ultimate goal and a purpose that I'm aiming at. And so God's made us in this way. God has made us in this way. He's given us the abilities. He's given us a heart to to put something behind what we're doing. And the Scriptures constantly are commanding us. Why? Because oftentimes we'll do things, heart's not in it. I don't want to do this. 
I'm not going to work at my marriage. I'm not going to work at my job. I'm not going to work at my family. I'm not going to work at being a parent. I just quit. Put your heart behind it. Use what God's given to you because that's the only time it's going to make a real and ultimate difference. Things we looked at this morning, I wanted to mention these again and bring them to your remembrance because I don't want you to forget them. I don't want you to, and I don't want to, and I'm thinking about myself, of course. I don't want to be the man who looks in the mirror and just walks away. A few weeks ago, I embarrassed myself. Got up one morning, my son had taken my comb. I got out of the shower, I was getting ready, and I was like, oh, I haven't brushed my hair. Forgot all about it and went right out the door. My hair's just standing up. I look crazy. So, I'm not going to tell you the rest of that story right now. It's kind of embarrassing. I had to go back home and brush my hair. I look in the mirror and I don't see anything. But it's, I looked in the mirror and I said, yeah, I didn't brush my hair. And then I walked away and just forgot about it. Just forgot. And it, it comes right out of the Bible. Look at this. James chapter 1, 22 to 23. And evidently, maybe James has done the same thing. He says, but become doers of the word. Do the word. Be active. And not merely hearers only who delude themselves. You know, the, notice that. The people who are only hearers and they don't do anything like the man with the men and didn't do any, produce anything. He just heard. He heard the command. He took it in. He did nothing with it. He deluded himself about the situation. And keep reading here. He says, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. For once he's looked at himself and he has gone away, he immediately forgot what kind of person he was. But one who looks intently at the perfect law, the law of freedom, and abides by it, not having become a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man will be blessed in what he does. What's James saying here? Well, the illustration is clear, and it's more than once here in the Scriptures, is that God's Word is a mirror and I look at the mirror and I can see you know, what I look like. You know, what, what blemishes there are, what needs to be put in order so that I look respectful, that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And so James makes that illustration here. It's like a man who looks in the mirror. He sees what he looks like and he forgets about it. And so I, that's why I want to bring this up again. I want us to be doers. I want us to make habits of using the talents and gifts that God's given to us. I want us to put our hearts behind it. And I don't want to just forget it because, you know, just after, from last Sunday to this, it, it takes some contemplation and reflection upon your life. And so I urge you this morning to look into the mirror of God's Word and make changes. And be a doer and not a hearer only. And as a conclusion this morning, I think it's very fitting to go back to that parable of Christ there at Luke 19. What do you want to hear from Christ in the day of judgment? What do you want to hear? So right from the text, Luke 19 and verse 17. Well done, good servant, because you have been faithful in a very little thing. You are to be in authority. Well done, good and faithful servant, as we read about in Matthew 7, come into my kingdom. That's what I want to hear. And that means me using what God has given to me. So I encourage you this morning, take action. You look into the Word of God, you see many things that need to change. And this, this morning you may need to put on Christ in baptism. You need to confess, yourself, your, confess your, your faith in Christ and repent of your sins 
and be baptized, buried, and rise in the newness of life. It's at that point all your sins are washed away. You begin new, you begin a new life, you follow Christ. That's what we want to do. We want to start using the gifts that God has given to us. This morning you need prayers and encouragement, and we encourage you to come right now. Let's stand and sing together.